Deep in the farthest recesses of the most distant jungle lies a city. A city populated by the most mysterious, terrifying, and downright grotesque denizens ever seen by mortal eye. Here, in the darkened corners of this cavernous locale, sits an ordinary, average brick building with an innocuous, ordinary, average, blinking neon sign which reads, On Air. It is here where each week, Seth Breedlove and Mark Matsky convene to discuss the greatest mysteries the world has ever known. Now, strap on your hiking boots, grab your trusty walking stick, and don't forget your machete as we begin our journey through Monsteropolis. This is Monsteropolis, a show about anomalies, legends, and monsters. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Seth Breedlove. This week's episode is a special episode that was originally recorded as a Small Town Monster Squadcast, which is an exclusive podcast video cast that we do for members of Small Town Monster Squad on YouTube. Um, this is a very casual conversation that Mark and I had with. Santino Vitali about a week ago here in the offices. We thought we would post it for Monsteropolis members because it does play into some of the topics of this show. It's also about, obviously, the making of a Small Town Monster series, which this is the official podcast of Small Town Monsters. But either way, uh, we're excited to put this out for you guys. If you're interested in watching the video version, which includes clips from the show and stuff like that, it's for Small Town Monster Squad members. So you go on YouTube. You click the join button, you become a squad member. Uh, but yeah, thanks for listening. Hope you guys check it out. If you haven't watched Hauntings on the Trail of Hauntings yet, that's what this episode is all about. And we're really excited about the series since it involves a lot of the topics we dive into on the show. Uh, but yeah, here's the conversation. Some shady guy. Look how much taller you are. This this is the problem. It's my wiener dog spine. It just puts me above the ground. I could sink down. <laughs> no, it's good. That's super awkward. Oh. All right, this is... You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to post this today. So we're going to post two episodes of Squadcast today, and we're, we'll just call this, like, Squadcast Special Edition. Yeah. Uh, and then we might repost the audio for Monstropolis listeners. Okay. And that way we have next week. Yeah, there care. you go. Um... Because next week's going to be chaotic anyway with doing the shooting and everything. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay, so this is Squadcast episode. This is Squadcast special edition. A new um, hope. Am I slouching? Hope. There's no way you're that tall. It's I'm, I'm all it's all winter Dude, dogs. Fine, I'm like though. looking up at you. Look at this. This is how it is every time I go to a restaurant. Um. So this is our giant friend Santino. Hi. Uh. And this is the Squadcast special edition. We're going to do, uh, a, I guess, just a f- uh, very frank, open conversation about um, On the Trail of Hauntings, which debuted last night at midnight, episode one. Um, the witching hour. The witch at 3 a.m. Yeah. Well, midnight's <laughs> close enough. I don't know. The witching hour? Yeah, I don't know. There seems to be some evil. disconnect on this. That's what I keep trying to tell Aaron. I don't know because he's insistent that 3 a.m. is, is the, if anyone's evil in this group, it's Aaron. Well, maybe that's why we're not finding anything. Uh-huh. We're not there until 3. Yeah. Uh, 
Okay, so I don't even know where to begin here. What? Let's talk. We we talked a little bit about this in one of the 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 versions of the year in reviews that didn't yeah. make it out there. Um, what do you recall about the day that we concocted this harebrained idea and launched into it? Well, I was color grading Bell Witch. Yes. I think it was like the last one of the last days, the second to last day. Mm-hmm. And um, you were talking about the squad, and you're like, we've, we've got this thing, we're launching it, and we need some content for it, and we're uploading a bunch of stuff. And I think I said, hey, how about, how about ghosts? <laughs> but we had been talking about ghosts, though, yeah, we had been talking about this for a while, yeah. And in fact, I had like offhandedly mentioned it, I think, during last year's Kickstarter video. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, wow. Like we might do a, a we want to do an on the trail of ghosts and yeah. hauntings. Because sure. I know that there's actually video of Adam, Shannon, and myself talking about on the trail of hauntings. So that was when we came up with the name all the way back on the East Coast shoot of On the Trail of UFOs. So it's been kicking mm-hmm. around, but. Santino specifically, I know I had talked to you before this, mm-hmm. before that initial conversation, and it was something you really wanted to do. We had balked. I had balked because of the perceived at the time failure of On the Trail of UFOs, which we've right. since learned is not a failure. We've, we've, we've made our budget <laughs> back. We're good to go. Mm-hmm. But um, it, the, the decision to do this came about because the YouTube channel seemed to be the, the YouTube membership thing seemed to be like the perfect place for this. Yeah. And now that since it's came out, since it's come out, the other thing I've, I've noticed about it and Mark might've pointed this out in his initial like thoughts on the first episode, it's the perfect marriage of what STM does and what squad is supposed to do, which is put, did we talk about that? I mean, I don't know if we talked about it so much, but it's, I know it's what I had hoped to do from the start. But I think I think what it was is you and I both kind of were on the same wavelength, but not having talked to each other about it for like a year prior to that, because I had talked to a friend of mine like a few years ago about, oh, it'd be cool to do a ghost show. Mm-hmm. But he's he never really, we didn't do anything about it, obviously. So mm-hmm. then when you and I were talking about it, you were talking about how the squad was like, you know, it's this kind of, you go out there, you investigate it. And so I just thought, well, what would be cooler than seeing everyone investigating it and being kind of making it feel like you're part of the part of the, the experience career, yourself. Yeah. 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 Do you do you think that the first episode is what you saw in your head? Um, I mean, minus a few fart jokes, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely there's some stuff that ended up on the cutting room floor yeah. that, that I kind of I saved for my own library. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> The, the the sad part of that, and I might include this here, is the my favorite line from the whole thing, which is me talking about the rando nautica. Oh, yeah. yeah. And yeah. having the line about Pizza Hut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I tried really hard to find a place to put yeah. that in, but it, it was like Mark was filming it, and I think you just like started randomly filming at one point toward the end of the evening, mm-hmm. and you were just already talking about it, so it was like mid-sentence, middle of the night, there was no other context around. I'm like, I love this line. But if I throw it in there, it's just going to seem completely off the spine. Yeah, it's not so. going to make any sense. No. Um, where where do you see us going? We're going to go back backtrack a little, and I'm going to be all over the map. But no, this sure. question just came to me. Where do you see? Where do you want to go to do more episodes? Because we we've already announced there's three more episodes. We're doing Mansfield Reformatory on Thursday. Mm-hmm. There's at least three more. 
Well, maybe we yeah. can do more after that. Yeah. Well, so location wise, you're saying? Yes. I would love to do, um, I think you would too, South Bass Island mm-hmm. Lighthouse. I just um, bought two books all about it. Yeah. You, you texted me a, 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 a text me a picture of it the other night. <laughs> There's it's another like, look at what I got. I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Get ready. But um, that would be really cool just visually and because I always wanted to kind of go. Here's the funny thing that anyone listening needs to kind of know is not only are we looking for proof of the anomalies, not only are we like, kind of having fun doing this, but we're also kind of scheduling places we've always kind of wanted to go. <laughs> mm-hmm. sure. So it's, it's, and it's that killing we can many birds. to do it yeah. on almost a zero budget. Yeah, because this is all just in and around Ohio. Yeah. So at yeah. least so far, at least until this thing maybe yeah. explodes, that's up to you people. Yeah. <laughs> but if it explodes, then, you know, then we can go yeah. to like Sleepy Hollow would be really cool. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. To go to Connecticut. I've always wanted to go to Connecticut. Connecticut. Anything mm-hmm. in New England for ghost hunting would, would be, be amazing. amazing. Yeah. But, you know, as far as just these next three, South Bass Island Lighthouse would be cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I know when we first started uh, talking about things with Heather, there, I had thrown out a few other locations, but none of them worked just because of either COVID or just timing or one location actually is not available. It's just a, I think it's derelict at this point and you're not allowed to go there because it's trespassing. But I, I, I've got a couple ideas. What of location was it? It was, um, I'm not going to be able to remember the name of it. Um, it was in Stark. It was actually really close. Molly, is it Molly, Molly Stark? Stark? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I knew Stark was in the name. I thought that was. I thought that was going to be it because mm-hmm. I didn't know that you couldn't go in there anymore. I didn't know that because kids. When I was a kid, everyone broke into that place mm-hmm. like all the time. That's Maybe why that's you're not why. allowed to yeah. go in there anymore. Yeah. I guess that explains it. Actually, yeah. Heather's like, if you go there, you're going to get arrested. I'm like, that could make for a good episode. Though. That could be interesting. <laughs> I really like it's all the, for the craft. Oh yeah, it's, yeah. It's the art of it. I really like though that train of thought of like dream locations. Then, mm-hmm. like if you, if money wasn't an object, and we're talking about Sleepy Hollow, would be amazing. Absolutely, um, that's my number one. I would actually throw Kinderhook into that mix because Kinderhook Kinder is the real Sleepy Hollow. Okay, you know about, all right. Do you know about Kinder I don't know. I don't know. So, and on the trail of Bigfoot, the journey we went to Kinderhook mm-hmm. in this in the late seventies, early eighties. There were these sightings of a Bigfoot. Um, they called the Kinderhook creature, mm. but Kinderhook is where where Washington Irving stayed after he had a his fiance died. Is that it? Or fiance it's left? Always him. Something happened. He goes and lives with Martin Van Buren, mm. who lived in Kinderhook. While he's there, a spindly school teacher teacher named Ichabod Crane is staying there. I did not know this. This yeah. is amazing. They yeah. stay together there, and he writes the book shortly thereafter. Mm-hmm. He may have even written the book in Kinderhook, but Kinderhook brands itself as, like, the real Sleepy Hollow, and there's, like, okay. pictures, there's mm-hmm. signs and, and everything, yeah. and there's kind of, like, a war going on between the actual Sleepy Hollow and Kinderhook as to who... The it, the school system in Kinder in that county, in Kinderhook's county, is the Ichabod Crane School. <laughs> Like that's their. Yeah. I don't know system. if I would have titled it that, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but like, what if money wasn't an object? Where is there a location that immediately springs to mind where you're like, I'd go there? Well, Sleepy Hollow for sure. Um, definitely. I, there's a. I would love to go to to. I mean, it's local, but I think Franklin Castle would be really cool. Mm. Um, there's a couple places, even like out west. I can't remember the name offhand. I'm I'm a terrible talk show guest, but yeah. there's there's a couple places out west, the name of which I forget, that are really ancient and historic. I think would be really cool to see. Just if nothing else, them for the lore and the history. Uh, I'm sure you have one, but let me throw out the Boulderado because okay. I've this is the only location that I've been to where I've experienced that they are famous local haunting. You were which telling is us the about woman this in white. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
So I've, it's the only thing I've experienced. I'm convinced it was a night terror. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, I think it would be really cool for us to go there. And they're very welcoming of ghost hunting crews. That's the problem good. is it's Colorado. So yeah. It's mm-hmm. a, there'd be some serious travel yeah. involved. Yeah. What about you? you got any? I would say Bridgewater Triangle. Oh. Yeah. Dude, wanna, I didn't even think of it. I'd want to go to the... Is it Stand Rock or there's that one? Standing Rock. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to go out there um, because there's just such a variety of historical and ghostly hauntings and and going back to like the King Philip's War era. Fascinating. Uh, That's one of the things about all of, about this subject in particular, I think matches up with the STM approach is the inherent historical value to Mm -hmm. all of these. I mean, that's like the through line is that each of these places has its own distinct history that's interesting on its own. Mm. And then you throw in sort of the, the supernatural element and, the, you know, some of these places have embraced that, like Marietta, yep. for example. It's a calling card now for them. Mm. Chestnut help Ridge. Them. Chestnut Ridge. Chestnut Ridge would be mm. another cool. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing about all those is they all intersect with other famous paranormal cases with the exception of maybe Sleepy Hollow. But we could, we could even do something where if I, because I know I've got a trip coming up to Colorado this year. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Just saying. Like like maybe we can somehow figure out a way to overlap those two. We're like the crew, same crew. Well, we'll we'll, we'll have to put like a camera on you while you sleep and see what happens to see if the woman in white shows up. Great. Give me, you you just see stuff like Give me her room. Yeah. Because like the room I was in was not her room. And she still showed up. And she still showed up. Yeah, she came down the hall, man. She 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 sensed me. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's what to to talk on the on the subject you just brought up about the historical value. Mm-hmm. Not only the historical value, but the thing that I think I, I think it's interesting because we all three basically see pretty much eye to eye on how this goes. But I think each of us have more of a focus. Like yours is more of a historical focus, and and mine I like the historical, but I like I like stories mm-hmm. the most, and so I like seeing like. The lore of it, I like seeing the you know urban legends. I want to know how did it start, how long has it been going? Mm-hmm. Like the Bunny Man, now, that's not a ghost, but like that thing <laughs> still. I, I've read articles on the Bunny Man trying to figure out why that happened. I go, well, this is apparently this. There was some actual thing that happened. They've got the axe, it like in a museum, the Bunny Man's axe. But like, what else happened? So mm-hmm. that that kind of stuff I think is really cool because then you can you can go to a place and you can go, oh. So not only is the his- history here, not only do we have maybe some paranormal stuff we can find, but you can examine how this, ha- the many iterations of it. Mm-hmm. Even when we were in Hanoverton, there were, we heard what, three different versions? Yeah, yeah. same story. Same story, right. different same versions. Story. We see that in every case. Mm-hmm. Like every famous, at least the historical ones, the older ones, mm-hmm. like you, you get so many variations over time. It's interesting though, now that we say that, I can't think of a variation to say like Minerva or or even can you like is there a detail of the Minerva monster case that gets like changed or not especially it's so specific and and so I mean the only thing I would what? the only thing I would compare that to would be you know um, isolated sightings that have taken place in the same area but I think where when we think of Minerva monster we think of the Caton family mm-hmm. and that particular location but I think um, but why doesn't the Caden family, why doesn't that story have have multiple variations like something like Momo or, um, or Flatwoods or... 
I don't know. Maybe because it's it was almost immediately reported. So and it got, forgotten, too. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like let go of. Right. Interesting. You know what you missed in Minerva? What? And I'm not making this up. You're going to think I'm joking, but I'm not. My dad and his friend Craig actually almost got shot by the sheriff down there in the 70s at oh. the time that that was reported because my, my, my the sheriff thought my dad was Bigfoot. My dad was 6'3" had hair out to here and they were my friend Craig and or my dad's friend Craig and him no, they were this walking is BS. No, this is seriously he they were walking along and they went out in the woods because everybody was looking for the nerve of monsters yeah. they're walking up around that area and as they're coming around the corner the sheriff was up there and he saw my dad behind the trees and he actually I think I could actually double check. I'm pretty sure. Why have you never down. mentioned this? Because is like, like Minerva Monster is like an it's, this it's is a great this story. Is it was your first movie, so like I didn't think it was relevant to now. Well, we never stop. We never let go. <laughs> <laughs> Minerva, I constantly go back to Minerva. I don't know. You literally never mentioned this though. That's Hold on. wild. So he was like in the crosshairs, basically. Pretty and, much. Uh, was it James Shannon? It might have been James. I'll have to ask, but I'm I'm actually asking him right now. I'm gonna find out. <laughs> Okay. The sheriff almost shoot dad. <laughs> While he's talking to his dad about getting shot. Oh, wow. Can we continue talking on this train of thought, though? Because mm-hmm. um, that, to me, what 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 is it about certain cases that pushes them so far into the public conscious that everyone starts creating their own version of the story? Right. Is it just... Is, is, it, is it literally as simple as the fact that Minerva never... Got as popular, just kind of died off. Because Beast yeah. of Whitehall doesn't have a variation either. Mm-hmm. Not really. You know, I this is based solely on Hanoverton. But maybe it has to do with the tra There has to be a tragic element to it, maybe. Like in this case, it's a young woman. Uh, presumably, all the stories say that she was put to death in a way that was pretty horrible. And maybe it's that level of sort of troubling element to the story that pushes it into people's consciousness, and then they start to invent a story around. What's the tragedy that. behind Flatwoods? The dog, dog dying. Well, no. <laughs> I mean, I think tragedy could play a part in it. I also think that you know, at least with Bigfoot cases, Sasquatch specifically in the '70s, and there was a lot of that that kind of exploded all at once. Mm-hmm. And so it might be easier in a smaller town for that kind of stuff to get swept up with the bigger stuff, maybe. But then there are also cases where. It's just a little thing, and it goes on forever. I mean, Momo wasn't. I was gonna say it could be as huge. simple as it's Bigfoot. The Bigfoot stories mm-hmm. don't have the variations because Momo yeah. does, but not. not right, to and the there's not a tragic element like, to those. Typically, right. it's just Bigfoot shows up. Well, there's all those missing crosses the cases. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Someone's gonna get mad at that. <laughs> uh, oh no. Um, did he respond? He's, res- he's, he's typing. responding now. So we have breaking news in the middle of this on the trip yeah. talk where apparently where apparently Santino has is is a child of the Minerva monster. Right. See yeah. tragedy was yeah. narrowly avoided. In narrowly this avoided. This is it could have yeah. been a huge imprint. It would you know, have what I would be curious to hear is how many people are like your dad though, mm-hmm. who had that same kind of experience to some extent during the seventies who now mm-hmm. say I was the Minerva monster. Because how many times oh, have we had people tell us yes. that oh yeah, you, people <laughs> People thought my cousin Greg was the Minerva monster. I've had three or four people tell me that they're that they they have a relative or a friend who dressed up in a gorilla yeah. suit and then would stand out by the road, and he was the actual mm-hmm. Minerva monster. And I'm sure 100% that that happened at that point in time mm-hmm. with someone. I don't think it accounts for all the sightings. Right. But. 
They're giving a lot of details. That's been a long thought bubble. We'll, we'll, we'll circle back to that. Okay. So um, talk about uh, budgetarily. What What is this like for you compared to the other STM projects you've worked on? And from a, like keeping it on a no budget scale. No budget scale. I mean, it, it doesn't. It hasn't really changed because I, we usually try to do things as as <laughs> well. I mean, we usually try to do things yeah. as as, as budget conscious as possible. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. you'll you'll like when we did Bray, you're like, and I want this thing to come through a window, and then we're going to go into a book. I'm like, okay, so I made a book really quick out of some foamies and some other crap. I made like a one wall set out of foam core and shot it with your camera, and then where's the set? I had to take it apart. It started to fall oh, I wish into we pieces, had that, but because we could like. And once you paint foam core, it starts to bow. Really? Okay, we're going to... Oh, here we go, here we go. So, Dad said, he and Craig were just walking through the woods, and the sheriff was coming the opposite way, and when he saw them, he put his hand on his gun, but he didn't draw it. He asked them what they were doing, and they told him, and he said that that's the same thing he was doing, looking for Bigfoot. Actually, Dad said this was in East Canton sometime in the 70s. East Canton? Mm -hmm. Wow. Wild. So there's... over there by Paul Paul Hayes. (laughs) Yeah. Crazy. Okay. But yeah, budgetarily, I mean, I pretty much approach it the same. Um, the only difference with this one is there's really not like what I do. I'm just editing this one. So it's actually a lot in a way it's simpler, but because I don't, I do narrative more. So like documentary is, is not this a your thing. first documentary? This is, yeah, I never do okay. documentary. So, so <laughs> it was really backwards for me to try to be like, cause I'm used to like plan and stuff. Like I'm used to like, you make a storyboard and yes. then you rehearse it and then you, Grind it into the ground and make it a thousand times your pre-visit. And then once that's all done, you shoot like 50 takes and go, okay, I'm probably good. But with this, it's like you're just kind of going by the seat of the pants. Whatever you get, you got to try to make it work. And if it doesn't work, slap some B-roll on it and hope that it makes sense. Yeah, I can tell you as an uh, I can tell people watching or listening that there is typically a conversation that happens with Santino and I about projects I want to make where and this happened with Bell, too, Mm -hmm. where he's like, what do you want to do? And I'll be like, this is what I want to do. And he'll respond with. Well, you're gonna need to do a lot of planning, mm-hmm. and you're gonna make sure you're aware. Like you, you, you're gonna have to do retakes with all yep. these actors and all yep. this stuff. And I don't think I usually say it, but in my head, I'm always like, "I'll figure it out on yeah. the fly." You, say, <laughs> you literally said those words to me on Momo. You're like, "We're gonna do all this," and then he's gonna rip off the fender, and I'm like, "How are you gonna do that?" He's like, "I will figure it out." <laughs> okay, but that I think that is like the difference between a narrative, mm-hmm. like a someone who does narrative constantly and someone who does documentary. Cause yeah. in my head, the only way I work mm-hmm. is, I mean, even Bell Witch, we were shooting it like it mm-hmm. was a doc, I would say. Right. Kind of. I mean, there was still a little bit of, um, I mean, Bell Witch was good because we were shooting MOS most of the time. So it's like you could yell direction right. to people while you were shooting. So that's not as bad. And plus Bell Witch, we got somewhat lucky with the location. It was like the perfect location yeah, and the perfect worst location. because it also had, it had all the electrical. Outlets. Right. I keep and trying to bulbs. explain to people like you, <laughs> it doesn't look like there's as much practical or uh, special effects work because it's not like yeah. overt. Yeah. But there's a ton of stuff you're like painting out of shots mm-hmm. and like all the shots are I think very it was like thirty shots, wasn't it? it yeah, it was, was a ton. Like that. It was a ton. Yeah. Mostly in um, any scene. Well, and they, we kept there, adding more. Mm-hmm. I kept someone would watch the movie and they'd be like, "Hey, just so you know, there's a shot. You can yep. see the light f- frame." You so were in oh. a reflection. I had to paint you out. Oh, I didn't know that was. Yeah, that was the one where Aaron goes over to the thing with the lantern. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We got the outlet, and then you were. Yeah, and I can see the you there. So I didn't even that see out. me in, in the b- yeah. background. That was tough, but yeah, it was. That's the thing. We we there's a lot of planning that usually goes into narrative stuff. 
And you can get away with it to a point without the plan. Um, I mean, obviously, working low budget, the first thing you learn to do is kind of adapt. Mm -hmm. So in terms of just cutting this thing and, and doing it, it's really been it's been pretty fun. Okay. <laughs> I want to ask you, what is your least favorite part about the shoot? Editing. <laughs> is it really? Yeah, well, only because like I, I've spent my whole life and I'm still spending my life like sitting at a computer looking at a screen for hours on end. And so what I thrive on, and I think you would agree, is the social element of actually being on set, whatever set is. Like Bell was a blast. Hmm. I loved every moment of yes. the Bell shoot. Yeah. And then like once that's over and it's like, okay, now you gotta like sit here and mess with color for hours and sit here and like do this yeah. thing. It's like, ah, uh, I, I really miss, oh. I miss just being with people. You know, you start See, to- See, I'm, I, I agree with you on certain shoots. Mm -hmm. The My favorite part of a shoot is exploring new places in the B-roll. Like going and like, I want to shoot this tree. Yeah. And like, how am I going to shoot this tree? And like stuff like that. That's why when we did the Marietta house, mm -hmm. what was that place called? Oh, the, the Anchorage. Anchorage. When we did the Anchorage, that was like one of the, my favorite documentary shoots that mm -hmm. we've done in a while because I just like walked around with a camera. <laughs> you and were shot just stuff. running down the hall with a yeah. I was on a running stable. around just, yeah, oh, yeah, gimbling all over. Sixty the place. frames a second. Yeah, and um, I'm still so, interested to see all that footage. <laughs> yeah, what you will today. Uh, but I had a lot of fun with that stuff. Mm -hmm. But I'm curious because for me, I get really stressed out in interviews. Like mm. it's, when it comes to the actual shoot, that is my least favorite part of the shoots. It's not, I love talking to the people, I love learning their stories and all that stuff, but that part of it really stresses me out. I, think it's, like, I think it's like my antisocial uh. side coming out. Like my social <laughs> anxiety style. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's my social anxiety. <laughs> but like, do you feel that at all or are you no. just like good? Um, I, the only thing about, I guess, in terms of the shoot, yeah, interviews would probably be my least favorite only because you basically have to stand like this mm -hmm. and just watch the monitor mm -hmm. and hope. And, like, in the back of your mind, you're thinking, am I going to be able to use this? Okay, Is that's, this gonna, yeah. that's where I was going. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not super stressful, but it's, yeah, it's not pleasant. And it's mostly just, you know, your back starts to hurt because you stand there for, like, a, an hour. Well, that's just, your guys' decision to do this handheld. See, when yeah. you guys started doing handheld <laughs> interviews, I was like, I don't know what they're thinking. Because, like, yeah. it's so much easier to just... Throw it down on yeah. the tripod and walk away. But I, I kind of like being able to, to move it around, though, only yeah. because then, like, like we've... I don't know if this is ghosts, by the way, but we've been having audio issues at least for the last... Definitely the first episode and possibly the second episode we'll have to see. On which camera? Um, well, I think Andy was shooting with the Ace... I don't remember which. Ace he was shooting, I think, but he had a, a shotgun mic on it. And when we were doing the, the wrap-up of episode one, about 11 minutes into it, I just hear... <sighs> Uh, like take over. Um, it was like so somebody was holding a magnet some to it. News then. What's that? We, this is one of the reasons we reshot the year in review. I think it's the A7 III mic jack. Okay, then maybe that's what he was using. I can't remember. I hope we didn't have the... Well, you were filming B-roll with the A7 III. Or the A7 S3. Oh, yeah. Well, so, see, that's the thing, though. because And that lines up because Zach was shooting mostly Heather's side mm -hmm. during episode one. Mm -hmm. And her mic just kept cutting out. It doesn't matter if Heather's cuts out because we can rely on the other one. Right. If a witness's interviews. Yeah, then, we, then we're screwed. So th this is the problem. It's like, and the Might ghosts be have been sabotaging us. Maybe. Well, that's what I was really worried about when we got back because I'm like, holy cow. We didn't review the footage or anything. Mm. 
And we don't, we don't review the footage. We just, we assume it's going to be okay. We didn't review footage. When we shot <laughs> on the trail of UFOs Dark Sky, mm -hmm. I didn't review a single stitch of footage till we got back to Ohio. Mm -hmm. I just didn't, like, we didn't have the time. Yeah. We were rushing from, like, one thing mm -hmm. to the next. I never had we usually don't have the time. But yeah. So that's, that's the only thing is, like, the audio, that could be a problem. This is scary. Yeah. I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just subtitle everyone, or we could, we could dub them. I mean, the worst, com worst comes to worst, we might have to rely on, like, in-camera audio or something. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what I did for the, the wrap-up on episode one. It was uh, the computer's audio. Right. Because nothing else worked. Ooh. So. Oh, because of that A7 III. Yeah. I'm glad we figured this out, but I'm curious as to what happened to the A7 III that killed that mic. I don't know, because it was, it was kind of cutting in and out when we were in the cemetery in Hanoverton, but only a little bit. And then by the time we got to the wrap-up and then Marietta, it seemed to be cutting out a lot. When we were doing the walk, mm -hmm. um, which is unused material, um, we had Heather's mic cut out completely. Mm -hmm. um, Zach's mic was fine. Mm -hmm. I was on that one, except then you could hear um, a chainsaw in the background, and there was wind noise. So it was like, <laughs> and then she's just quiet. And I went, well, yeah. can't use any of that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I forget how I got on. Cameron's not working. I don't know. I'm terrified of audio oh because if, if you're stressed when oh you're yeah yeah out. i'm always stressed yeah i'd say it's just it's mostly just oh that, that's what it was we're on handheld because then like if i if i'm afraid that maybe somebody's audio isn't isn't working i can always just kind of pan out at one point and mm -hmm. then get a two shot of everybody and then figure that i'm covered in the edit okay so what i'm thinking of, there's two things i want to hit on here one, sure. is, one is when you're doing those interviews are you creatively thinking of the final edit as you're asking a question, are you just kind of asking questions you think you might use, or how are you? It's a bit of both. Really? Yeah, well, because with, with um, the first episode, I kind of knew kind of how I wanted it to go, kind of. Mm -hmm. Like, only a little bit. And then by the second episode, because, like, we got there, and Heather's like, we've got two people to interview. And then we get there, and there's, like, this whole house full of women. I'm like, well, this is, yeah. now we've only got two hours. So yeah. it kind of threw any idea of what I was going to do out the window there. So I was just kind of hoping, like, I would ask a question that I thought would produce a soundbite that was usable or that I thought would get us to the core of whatever the story was faster. But other than that, it's mostly let Heather ask the questions. Yeah. Well, what about um, the other thing I was going to ask is my theory as a documentary filmmaker is that the only directing that actually happens with a documentary is in the edit. Pretty much, yeah. That's why I thought it was funny when you're like, well, you can direct this one. I'm like, so I'm just editing this one because <laughs> really that's all we're doing, you know? Yeah. 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 I, I, I hear because I have friends that are like, yeah, I directed a documentary mm -hmm. and I'm like, you know, how long was the edit? And they're like, oh, I didn't actually edit it. I had a guy. And no, like, you didn't well, direct then, it. Then you didn't direct the no. movie, the mm. documentary. I mean, most narrative work is, what do they say, 50, 60% built in the editor more. Mm -hmm. So, and that's narrative and you, documentary is all editing. So and what is it, what does an editor do that on a narrative that, mm -hmm. like, I always wonder, like Spielberg, like wh who was, who edited Jaws? Um, I can't remember offhand. It's like a, it's like a woman, isn't it? It's a woman's name. I can't remember her name. Mm. Anyway, he <laughs> edited he edited with like this this woman for a mm. long time, and like it's like this famous collaboration. Yeah. And I always thought shouldn't she be getting like a co director credit because it seems like she'd be like or well, or is he so so specific in his direction that she's basically just there to slice and maybe occasionally interject like an idea. I mean, it's a bit of both. Generally, you know, as you know, like uh, you're shooting, you've got your dailies. 
and then that's going off to the editor. That's the assembly cut. So as they're getting footage in, they're editing to, if you have a storyboard, if not, they're editing to the script and they go, here's what I think with my instincts, what looks like the best shot, what looks, they make their own selects. Mm. So then once the director's done shooting, he'll come in and he'll look at the assembly cut, which is not even close to what he wanted sometimes. Right. And so then you go, okay, I see what you did with that one. I see what you did with that one. Take three instead of take five, take 52 instead of take one. They start switching that around. And then it's just a matter of constantly massaging the edit, constantly going in and revising it. He might tell the editor that he wants it to cut a few frames sooner or a second later or don't cut at all, you know, because sometimes an editor, what an editor does is they're looking for a way to sh tell the story best and for the emotional core of what's going on. Mm -hmm. And if you ask an editor, well, how do I edit better? They go, I don't know, because they don't know. They go, I just do it until it feels right. Mm -hmm. And that's and that you know, makes that's the same thing. Yeah, you know, yeah, you just yeah, keep yeah. looking at it and you're like, it felt better when it was like this. Yeah, and you just move it around. It is all feel. It's weird. Like I've I try to figure out how people like Peter McKinnon mm. get these edits where, that are like crazy. Like, and I don't think I don't know if either <laughs> of us are like crazy Peter McKinnon fans, but yeah. I, I, there's occasionally stuff he mm. does that's super creative. Like all those all this YouTuber like famous YouTuber yeah. people, they do things that that I don't understand how they do it. But then I'll edit something and I realize like it's it is all feel like touch. Mm -hmm. It's like it's the strangest thing, but it's all intuition as to what is working at a specific moment, especially with action. Absolutely. Like like, um, like cutting Bellwitch, you would throw shots together and it doesn't work. And then you just like move the frame one inch to the left or mm -hmm. whatever in the timeline. Suddenly it's fine. Yep. Like it's it sells it or there's shots in. Mothman Legacy that don't work at all still to me when I watch it I'm like this doesn't work he, he never liked Mothman Legacy he it's, hates his own work <laughs> there's, there's very hard shots himself. there's shots that just don't work but you massage it just a little mm -hmm. bit and it like comes together yeah. do you want to jump in well um, tell us about editing that isn't yeah, just about editing. yeah well no it's interesting because I think there is a tempo mm -hmm. to an edit I mean I don't know I've never edited anything in my life but I is from a narrative standpoint. Exactly. You know, there's a, a you can just tell if something's a beat too early or, or mm. late. With um, switching the topic ever so slightly. I'm, that's why I asked you to do this because I'm like half our audience just tuned out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> With the topic of ghosts, mm. I mean, d did that sort of grow organically out of working on Bellwitch? Because you know, as we've as famously at this point, we've sort of established that. The Bell Witch story isn't so much a witch story as it is a ghost story. Is that part of what got the ball rolling as as far as ghosts, or what did it go back further than that, or s separate entirely? I think it's separate entirely. Okay. For me, it was. I mean, yeah, I, I was going to say because I, I know we were discussing this long yeah. before Bell Witch. Mm. I wish I could remember when we first talked about doing hauntings, and it might have been when you were color grading UFOs. Yeah. Because I think we talked about it back then. And I think mm -hmm. even back then you were talking about having how you wanted to be involved with it because mm -hmm. you had ideas about it. Yeah. Is, this, just, is it partially a response to what's out there now as far as... Because that review, that review that I read yesterday seems to, think it is, <laughs> yeah, seems to think it is a response. Yeah, I guess that's why I'm asking is the review says, you know, it's... Hey, if the review says it, then that's yeah. what we think. <laughs> that's, that's true. I don't know. You want to take that one, Seth? 
Well, you're the one cutting it, man. Because yeah, like, well, uh, I, I can say this is what I'm I can say. I'm just making it like close to what I think would be entertaining to watch. That's the thing <laughs> mm-hmm. that's interesting to me is what I had in my head and what that first episode is mm-hmm. it are two entirely different things. So, oh, is that is that bad? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just yeah. saying, like, I've not. I failed to produce. <laughs> I've always thought. Well, I've always had that mm-hmm. when when I worked with uh, Alexander on Champ, mm-hmm. when I, and now working with you on this, it's what I have in my head and what comes in are two entirely different things. And it's not. That's I love Champ and I love this, but it's all to me creatively. It's all mm-hmm. your thing because yeah. this isn't what what I would have done is probably totally different than this and I don't know that it would work in the same way that this works. What I what I have really started because I've watched this a lot now. What I've re- <laughs> the what first I've, episode he's seen more than me. <laughs> what I what I like about this the more I watch it is how like unpretentious it is about the fact that we're looking for ghosts. Like it doesn't it doesn't necessarily my issue with ghost hunting and paranormal shows in general is there is an attempt to be cool. And yeah, I never knew how to be cool in my life. So. Yeah, well, and this, <laughs> this just kind of like, I, I think I even said to you, and this is, my wife's in the next room, she'll scream at me if I say this, but but <laughs> in, in my eyes, this is the, the almost like a response to Hellier or Ghost Adventures or any of the shows that have people getting out of their cars in slow motion and walking cool into a house. I'm like, this is the opposite of that. So I think when Mark's asking you, like, if if it's intentional, like, that's, I'm curious to know that too. Like, is this a response to that? It's not really a response. It's, It's just more like, this is what I, if I wanted to watch a ghost show, I'd rather watch one that I cared about to me, it's all about the characters, even mm-hmm. though we're real people. But again, looking at it from an arrow standpoint, the thing that I always go back to is I want you like, I, you know, I love um, this is going to sound like a tangent, but it, it applies. I love um, what Richard Linklater was able to do with Dazed and Confused. Yeah. There's you no point both. to that movie. There's no plot. There's literally no, literally no plot. It's like yeah. American Graffiti. Yeah, you can just walk yeah. around and you have a good time watching these people and you're invested in like what minor conflict there might be. Mm-hmm. And you just like watching what's going on with them. And the idea of watching like, because I always thought vlogs were kind of dumb. And like, I appreciate what Casey Neistat does. Mm-hmm. He's excellent as an editor and he's visually, he knows what he's doing. And he manages to keep it short and it's it's brisk. But it because there's no point, I feel like I don't know why I'm watching it. Other than I'm amazed that he's able to pull these off every day. But I thought, well, what if you did that type of thing, but then actually gave it a bit of a direction? So the story is we're going to go look for this and we're going to talk to these people and we're going to check it out ourselves. And you as the audience can come along and you can watch us have fun. You can watch us be scared. If something happens, you can just you can kind of take a, a very casual the thing is there's a very specific personality to this and and hmm. you you have it you know what you're doing like it's obvious i'm curious if you had to give people a a byline or a synopsis of what oh, this gosh. series is <laughs> like seriously cuz i'm the guy that's doing all the marketing stuff mm-hmm. right now for it so when i'm writing this stuff down and i have been thinking jason's review mm-hmm. and i th- i said this to mark it in some ways encapsulated for me, what the series is better than anything I've written, and I'm the guy that's kind of like behind the scenes being part of it. 
Yeah, I mean, if you if you are asking me for a synopsis, yeah, then what you're gonna you're, you won't be able to use it. But I, what I told <laughs> what I told Andy when I pitched him the idea, I'm like, dude, you got to come help us with this. I need you on camera. He goes, so what do you want to do? And I went, it's basically if Ghost Hunters and Parks and Rec had a baby, mm-hmm. and like a little bit of comedians and cars with a little bit of like a Casey Neistat vlog. Mm-hmm. It's to me, it's it just lives on the web. And I kind of abide by those rules. And it's just, that's a really bad pitch. But that's that's kind of how I gave it to him. Okay. And he's like, I love it. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I was I was definitely coming at this from a point of I want to, and this is always the, the, the you have to be careful. Because as I, as I said, you know, there are some things that I cut out of this that I thought was hysterical. Mm-hmm. And we can all agree it was hysterical. But I, I, I cut it out because I, I figured, number one, you're in charge of, it's your company. So you're going to say, like, I want that out. I'm like, okay. But also, like. <laughs> there was only one line. Yeah. Well, butt stuff. Oh, yeah. I, I took butt that one out. There were two lines. I forgot about butt stuff. <laughs> that, was, that was very funny. There were two lines that I got rid of that yeah. live on the blue. One of them was because of Adrian and one of them uh, was the butt of, stuff. Yeah, line. it was yeah. the butt yeah. stuff. But the thing is, like, I just. And, and you said it, too, and I wasn't really, I guess because I'm not, I don't really believe in ghosts. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of, I think this is really a cool way to see if you can get to the bottom of what's causing people to see stuff. What people are thinking they're seeing, what, as you, you and I talk about in episode two, still to come, um, you know, stuff like alternate dimensions and energies and stuff like that. So because I don't believe in ghosts. Um, Andy pointed out that I, I have a tendency to be very dismissive and sarcastic. So I think... Thankfully, what happens is as I'm editing this, like I'm kind of editing what I want to see and I'm kind of editing like what I think is fun, what I think is funny, but then also not trying to like bulldoze over what the actual story is and be like, well, this is all BS because it's not like people actually I know that these people believe that this is what they're seeing. And yeah, I know is, that they've had this is the conversation we had when right. we were driving back from mm-hmm. Marietta because you guarantee, you know, like people who get abducted by aliens, they know that something happened. You they, you know. And there's a few people who might, you know, make something up for the publicity, Amityville horror, etc. But otherwise, these people generally encountered something they can't explain. And so you approach that with, you know, whatever sincerity or respect that you need to do that. And then when it's time for us to investigate, I'm going to try to see what I can see. Mm-hmm. And because I'm stupid, I'm just going to be, I'm going to be stupid. <laughs> like I said, <laughs> well, you I can't mean, use any yeah. of that. That's, what, that's the thing about it that's interesting is the crew is 100% themselves on camera in that yeah. first episode. Now, mm-hmm. I hope we can maintain that. Mm-hmm. We'll oh, see I think we we're going to, I'm going to, it's like frogs see, in a pot is, of water. I'm just going to keep raising the heat. Once everyone's slowly. aware they're on camera, I just don't know if it's going to be like oh, as... I, we'll see. I'm going to be like, I'll, I'm going to start like walking in slow-mo. Yeah, if camera. you start popping, <laughs> I'm going to have to slap you. Because some of the funniest stuff that happened came from you in half of this. That and then Aaron. and Well, I think Aaron and I just naturally kind mm-hmm. of bounce off each other mm-hmm. well because Aaron's so slapstick and goofy mm-hmm. and I'm very like straight-faced and shut up. Kind of. <laughs> so he says. Gelling his hair up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, spiked. Yeah, spiked. Yeah, we're changed. We're like, yeah, uh, muscle. Sunglasses. Uh, yeah, aviator shades. Uh, afflicted tees. I'll start showing on, up. Ghosts. Let's go, bro. I mean, hey, I can start getting some sweet slow-mo of you and like, we'll Michael Bay this thing. It, it'll be unrecognizable. Uh, yeah, we can't do that. That's already <laughs> serious to do that. Um, <laughs> you know, what's, so, what's interesting about that entire response is that it is what you're saying is it's coming from 
a, a completely unique sensibility. It really isn't a reaction mm. to other paranormal programming so much as it is your specific ideas about this yeah. and then the the team playing whatever role in mm. that that they will, which is, which is also intriguing because we have people on the team who are on different parts of the spectrum as far as ghosts. Like, yeah. are ghosts real? Is this something that I should be spending my time going and looking for. Mm. Well, like I think that. I think the three of us are probably the most similar in terms of what we think of a ghost. Well, what's interesting is I've always I think I said this in the car is that everyone in that car has a different opinion on on the paranormal in general. Yeah. Like of of the group, I always think Mark and I are the two most invested in the subject itself. Yes. Because I think we're both into the history of mm. it. We love the and then Say you and Zach are probably more like storytelling, yeah. like storytelling, visual filmmaking mm. mode. And then you've got Andy, who's kind of like in between these two worlds. <laughs> yeah. uh, and he might be more of a skeptic than me. And then is, I, I love that. Aaron, yeah. But he's, but he, I think Aaron, Andy also has an investment in the history. He does. He does. So like, and then Aaron's just kind of like on the outskirts watching it all <laughs> and laughing, yeah. uh, which is why he's the perfect person yeah. to mm. squad stuff. But. Um, yeah, that to me is really the dynamic of the group is always really interesting. The and to have Heather leading it makes perfect sense mm -hmm. in that context because mm -hmm. Heather Heather's invested in it. Um, Heather's invested in it, and she has such a what that review said about her and the like how humble she is and how mm -hmm. she approaches yeah. the people. That was something I said to her after I saw that first episode. Is like you come across really well on camera because yeah. you know how to. And Adrian said this when we watched the rough cut. She just knows how to lead mm -hmm. the conversation and not do it in a forceful way yeah. and not interject herself. Yeah, she doesn't step on anybody's toes. No, and that's the hardest thing to do. I have a, I, maybe that's why I have a hard time doing interviews is because sometimes I do want to like. You want to control people. I want to control you want, you everyone. Want to make marionettes out of all of us. <laughs> <laughs> Store us in a master. You're all my little Pinocchios <laughs> and I'm Geppetto. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know where to go from here. What are we well, with for? that soundbite, breaking news. <laughs> uh, you, how, how do we start to wrap this? Up? Um, well, you always refer to Mark. For right, that, he, he's, yeah. he's like the the father figure who can get us all to like now settle down, uh, mold, children. We're yeah, gonna mold, mold us in his wow. image. <laughs> wow, such responsibility. Oh yeah, you didn't know you were going to be running the asylum. Did you? <laughs> well, I think. Um, how many in your head? How many more? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. Uh, episodes? Do you think? I mean, with hauntings, there? the sky's the limit, See, right? That's, I mean, that's, that's, there are ghosts everywhere. Thinking, you would literally just go forever. <laughs> you could, yeah. I'm like, if it if it became successful enough to where it's paying for itself, mm -hmm. I'd be happy to keep going with it because yeah. it's like one of those things where there's so many avenues to explore. We talked for. 20 minutes or whatever about mm -hmm. alternate dimensions and time travel and no, like little way things. more than 20 minutes yeah and 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 that'll you'll use a minute of that if at mm -hmm. all right and there's all those little the the theories there's all that stuff but then there's the the sheer volume of ghost stories mm -hmm. in any given town mm -hmm. in it, any country in any country gives in any state gives Bigfoot, it makes Bigfoot look ridiculous, like mm -hmm. like considerably harder to try to find stories about Bigfoot. Yeah. This is, yeah, the sky's the limit. Pretty much. 
Next, next, it'll be once we run out of stuff in the states, it'll be uh, on the Trail of Hauntings International, mm. and Ooh. we'll we'll all just wear mustaches yes. and and speak in different <laughs> dialects. Please. Yeah. Not me, Piaget. I don't know pants. Well, thank you for joining us for this. If you watched um, this and you haven't watched on the Trail of Hauntings yet, you should do it. I might clip a little bit of this too oh. and post on the main channel for people to watch little bit uh, to entice them, especially that part where you're talking about how it's comedians and cars getting coffee and yeah. That, I, like I said, I don't know if you can use stooges. that, but that was that was. I didn't say three stooges. Maybe Marx. Little rascal. Yeah. it's duck soup meats, <laughs> animal crackers all the way. Yeah, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Dude, duck soups would be better. Oh, we're gonna now we're gonna have to throw it down. <laughs> Uh, Night in Casablanca was my introduction to the Marx Brothers. Really? And I still like Night in Casablanca. See, it was Animal Crackers. Was well, once you leave that period where, um, who's the... It's once they started scripting it too much, then it got weird. Yeah. Well, yeah, but then they also just basically started playing characters themselves. Right. Which is the same thing I like Costello. And, once you yeah. get old, you become a caricature of yourself. Really I'm quickly. A, I've been a caricature. So. <laughs> anyway, thank you for watching. Uh, well, maybe we'll do this more often. Get people in, interview them about the making of the movies and stuff. Uh, Squadcast, we can do whatever. But this we're posting as an extra, so you're getting two Squadcasts today. So we're excited for that. But thanks for joining us. Yes. Go watch On the Trail of Hot Things. <laughs>